You're now listening to It's a Rap. Thanks. Thanks for the name, Joseph. Hello, Brian College, and welcome to It's a Rap. Yeah, we came up with a name for it. It took long enough. Uh, thank you, Joseph Autry, for your chiming in, your wonderful wit. Otherwise, we would have just kept calling this the, um, the thing where we talk about music for too long. Uh, in the studio again, we have... Mr. Dr. Professor Gleason. Hello, hello, and thanks, Joseph, for that name. Well done, you. Uh, and Nathan Karma. What's up? Today we are going to be discussing the latest album, latest I'm speaking in reference to, it's about maybe two months old at this point, the latest album from uh, boy band supergroup Brock Hampton, a, a new face in the rap, the rap game in a way, but um, they're really a boy band. If you, if you ever w- watch an interview with them, they're very, very adamant about the fact that they are a boy band, and I'm totally supportive in that effort. But their latest album, Saturation 3, is the third album in a trilogy of albums, the Saturation Trilogy, three albums released in the span of six months, which alone is an incredible... Uh, musical feat. And before I launch into my spiel about them, let's let's listen to our other commentators. Well, I'll jump in here uh, and tell you that um, I want to thank you, Cooper, for exposing me to this. And it's something I would have never come across in my own musical journeys, preferences, or um, people who listen to X also listen to Y. That recommendation never would have shown up. So good broadening experience for me. And um, I did listen to all three of them, and I did listen to Saturation 3 in a single sitting. Um, So um, I felt like I got a little context after listening to the first two, and uh, and to listen uh, to the third one was was a unique and eye-opening experience. So yeah, my... um, So my... I have mainly questions for you, Cooper. So we might have to flip this, like, the host becomes... All right. Uh, not the host at some point. So I, I will my, behave I might have as, to ask, ask you questions. I'll behave as a, a intermediate um, yeah. representative for the group I've never Great. met. So I do want to say for those of you all out there in radio podcast land that haven't listened to it yet, the album is 15 tracks long and all of the tracks have a, a one word name and all of those words are six letters long except for one of them. The last track, Team, which is four letters. Right. So that's my introduction. No, I didn't know the one word thing. I never noticed the six letter thing, though. So we've already. Think that's where Kendrick gets his one word bold. Probably rips Brockhampton off, right? Actually, Brockhampton probably saw that and said, that's a great idea. Right? <laughs> they did the same thing, actually, for their first mixtape, um, All American Trash, which admittedly I have not heard all of. Um, they did the same thing where they're all in all cap titles, and most of them are one word. Some of them are two mm-hmm. words, but that's that's pre-saturation era to me. All-American trash. That, I think, is going to be part of a question that I ask in relationship to the boy band thing. Yeah. I have a theory, and it connects Brockhampton to boy bands to um, late 90s punk rock. Oh, yes. So this is, this is coming. Now that's one of my favorite yeah. eras of punk rock. <laughs> All right, Nathan? Oh, man. Um... As I was listening to it, I was like, oh, man, my trust with Cooper's gone down. <laughs> no! I was, I was like, are we going to get in trouble for this? Are we gonna get in I trouble? almost emailed you. I was like, this is a bolder move. But then I realized that no one 
upstairs probably knows what we do. Yeah, so. and that's a good thing. But uh, I, I thought, oh, I was being all timid about maybe we shouldn't review Raz Kaz Blasphemy until this one. I was like, oh, man, Blasphemy is so tame. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we're we're, get we're golden, and, yeah. especially their first album. But it, man, it was nothing like I think I've experienced between their sound, how they do music, how just, I mean, the content of their first album was especially like, just, I don't know. We made it, bragging a little bit, we're cool. I don't know, but my overall taste of it was, man, they're kind of, they're kind of cool, kind of fun to listen to. You just got to zone out first. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand that. For me, like the the first time I heard of it was from um, the most famous mu- music critic of all time at the moment, Anthony Fantano, who I will always think of like I trust his opinions on music a lot. So- sometimes I completely disagree, mm. but for this, it was more like. It was very, very useful because I saw him as instrumental as the, um, what's the word? The the kind of a uh, kind of push for this group. I I they according to some of the things I saw, they were a group in the past. They all met on a Kanye West fan forum, mm. uh, which I thought was hilarious. And then they all decided to just move out to California and become a boy band. They released All American Trash, uh, which did like pretty okay. And immediately afterwards, they started talking about. What are we going to do for an album? And eventually Saturation was produced and then two and three, which no one saw coming in terms of just like shoving these out of nowhere. Um, the first the first time I heard one of their songs was um, I actually was just stuck, like going through like out of out of the blue YouTube raps. Like the, the, the suggestion bar in YouTube has been pulling it pretty hardcore when it comes to like music now. But in the side was their track Heat, which is the very first track off of their first album. And when I heard it, it was like my favorite kind of rap it had this minimal but super heavy production it was this really gruff and industrial flavored instrumental and the first person up amir van he he's the best rapper that's that's if i'm gonna say the most positive thing about this experience <laughs> amir is a talented lyricist he definitely is. he is that's why he gets like he his face is on all three albums he has the like the only solos are given to him and okay. his like really intelligent um his his lyricism can be interesting sometimes it can be seriously simplistic but i always appreciate his subject matter and the way that he deals with it though um, throughout all the albums, they typically fall back on the exact same subject matter again and again and again. But sometimes I attribute that to like the whole boy band thing. We'll get back into that. But like the first time I heard the track, it immediately became my main workout jam. I ran to that song. I lifted that song. I walked around. I like whenever I was done at work during the summer, I would sit down and just listen to that song. It got me hyped for it. Got me hyped for a job I hated too. <laughs> so it like it pushed me through that. And the Which entire one was it? Um, heat, heat that that first track and. What was the I I kind of wrote them off really quickly because I heard Heat and then I found the song uh, Gold, which was actually the very next track off the album. It was also released as a single, but it was much. Is that from Saturation One? That's still from Saturation One. So it's, all um, of those have four letters. Yeah, that's yeah. their. Yeah, they're doing a little. They're doing a thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you check, uh, I'm pretty sure if you check the Saturation Two, all of them have five letters. Like their uh, their first song, I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's, I think it's called Gamba maybe, but their second song, which is called Queer, that's five yeah. letters, and Summer, their last song, uh, that's actually six letters now that I think about it. Um, On the last Oh track, my gosh, I you just, just got it, didn't you? I just you got it. You pieced it together. Oh, <laughs> it does, oh my, I'm so happy I just realized that, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, the four, the five, the six, all the way back to four, and then, be, oh, I just realized that. 
Okay, that, that makes me appreciate them again. All right, now um, break it down like I'm yeah. five. What, what are you uh, talking about? Okay, so on the first album, all of the songs have four-letter names, except um, actually including like Skit 1, Skit 2, and Skit 3, because throughout their friend, uh, Roberto, he... He was my, he was my favorite after um, Amir. Is, yeah. that, is that who I'm... Yeah, Amir, okay. and then there's Roberto, who, yeah. who sings. Roberto nothing. was great. He's just their uh, their Spanish friend. Um, but they're like all even skit. That's the thing in between. It it's it's all four letters until I can't remember what the very last track is, but it probably has five letters. I'm trying to remember what it was. Actually, I have I have it pulled up right here. If I can just make up time while I'm searching through here. Yeah, the last track on the album is called Waste. That's five letters, and then Saturation Two. All of it is five letter names including scene one scene two scene oh. three and then the very last track is called summer which is six letters then saturation three has nothing but six letter names including cinema one cinema two cinema three and then the very last track is called team and at the end of the song team you get the same sort of weird buzzing droning sort of noise oh, you get that okay. introduces the song heat so uh, you could listen to them cycle. yeah you yeah. could listen to them in a loop not like you could like the album nonagon infinity by um shoot they have a real um oh, man king gizzard and the lizard wizard that's that's an australian rock band but um they had they had an album that does the exact where same thing where do you thing. find these guys man how small, how long do you spend on soundcloud Be mr mr fantano always <laughs> but yeah no i i i found out about Brockhampton, I listened to Gold. Gold was really minimal, and I kind of just pushed them away. I'm like, okay, they had one song I really liked, and that's about it. Um, and I'm still a little annoyed by that because Heat is misleading in terms of the album because it is a brutal song, and then the rest of it has serious pop influence and has serious pop leaning to everything it does. Um, it took maybe three to four full full listens before I finally decided I really, really enjoy this. But Heat always misleads me when it comes mm. like the beginning. Like sure there's like maybe two or three other songs on the album that I would say are really, really bumping or aggressive or or bangers in a way, but Heat has always been like a weird tipping bit. Yeah. I thought I thought uh, Boogie was a banger on Satua- Saturation a, Three. That is yeah. what I've been. Li- I've listened <laughs> that was a to good it. one. Yeah, I've listened, listened to that one three times within the past. It's it's a dance minutes. party. Exactly. Same. It's just, it's just a fun one. You got yeah, the saxophone, the woohoo's. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was. I put a little star next to that one. That one was <laughs> one of my two favorites off of the album. Yeah, uh, Nathan. Uh, I think another one of my favorites was, oh, man, I, I, they all kind of blended because I listened to all of these. Uh, while I worked out. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'd work out, I'd go in the gym and I'd just put them on. And I'd just be just confused at some points. Yeah. Lifting well at other points. And then some points I'd be like, what is happening? What <laughs> is this? Um, but just between their, just their their mesh of weird sound and then the, the lyrics. And then just the lyrics. And yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it was Milk. Is that? Is, I'm trying to remember. Um, trying to think. Because I, I I listen to the first one a lot, and like there, there there's the couple standouts that I'll always remember their melody and what goes yeah. along with it. I think Milk was one of those. Milk um, and Swim, I think I like those. I I just liked how how they sounded. Yeah. That was like a fun, almost uh, something. It was something more familiar. I think that's yeah. why I I kind of caught on to it because the rest of this is seemingly I don't, I don't know. It's just different, and I it connects to something, but I yeah. don't know. I, I would like to hear your theory. On well, maybe we talk about the the musicality side a little bit right. too. So, 
if Boogie is really upbeat, it, yeah. it gets you moving and dancing. Almost no other song in Saturation 3 makes me want to get up and move. And that might just be because I dance like a geezer, but I don't know if there's, <laughs> a, <laughs> there's some new way you can bust a move to some of this stuff. But it most of them seem very low-key, low-tempo. There's that, that scissor influence, um, and there's a lot of wonky sounds that are created through like the bending of a, of a beat. So we used to have this old keyboard when I was growing up back in the day. It was like a Kurg. It was br- it was brown. And there was a thing on the back to tune it. And so mm-hmm. I'd play, or my sister would be playing, and I'd go on the back and just like crank that knob one way or another, and it makes it go, yeah. you know. So those effects are throughout, which, oh, which are okay. trippy. Um, and then there's just a lot of... Um, stripped down sound that is not very musical at all. So you've got a saxophone, but mm-hmm. outside of that, you know, maybe a little jazziness here and there, but a lot of tambourine or percussion or that that kind of um, or plunky sounds as well uh, would be one of the words I'd use to describe it. So yeah. on the music side, that's where it was. It it was a little bit of a getting used to this. But you mentioned Kendrick at the beginning, and I think there's this is a derivative of a lot of Kendrick in musicality as well. Would you say that? Or, or, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, having like watched a lot of interviews and checked out a lot yeah. of their like influences, um, most of their influences are taken from a very very pop place. Mm-hmm. But definitely one of their main influences are, is definitely. Kendrick, even yeah. though um, Merlin Wood, one of my other favorite members, uh, he like I think in they had a show with Viceland, mm-hmm. and in one of their shots in that Viceland show, he just said like, "I hate Kendrick." I hate Kendrick. Yeah. Like it was obviously he was joking, but he's like, "Kendrick's short. He's dumb." Yeah, something like that. <laughs> short so. and dumb. So that's like a great way of seeing the awkwardness of this group. Yeah. So they're intentionally awkward. Yeah. And the videos they come off as I, I think somewhat relatable to a certain type of audience. Because they they aren't polished, um, they're they're doing a very low fidelity type of thing as far as yeah. a production for a video. Um, they're in a convenience store, they're in a barber shop, but it's not a a, a, a soundstage barber shop yeah. or, or convenience store. So they're they seem like kids in a way, like these goofy awkward kids. So yeah. calling Kendrick short and stupid <laughs> makes me think of kids who are going to get up in a convenience store and make a music video in it. Yeah. So that sort of level of DI, you know, do it yourself or um, there's a almost an adolescence um, to it that that uh, has an energy. I think. What do you What do you guys think? Is this an Is this an a uh, intentionally adolescent experience? Totally. Okay. Yes. So I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. You're okay. not wrong. Like the the de facto group leader. Like there's no assigned group leader, but we all like there was no assigned group leader of One Direction. We were all like it was Zane. We all knew it. Okay. Um, but for Kevin, only I, I knew it. That. Only I knew it. I I had the sister that did not stop listening to them. Nice. Uh. Um, but like the de facto group leader, Kevin Abstract, who in his own right has plenty of musical experience under his own belt. He had a project called American Boyfriend, which had a lot of buzz and um, some other album. I can't remember. Is MTV something or other? But he had tons of hype underneath him he was being talked with by by labels who wanted to sign him and take him on tour he was very very devoted to maintaining 
his independence. Mm -hmm. And like he sacrificed opportunities to go on big tours with groups that he really, really liked to maintain his authenticity and originality in his independence, not having anyone else to tie himself down. So when I watch these videos, it's like the manifestation of his lo-fi DIY. We're going to record in our bedroom and in our, our bathroom sort of vibe with whatever they're doing yeah. which like they they released a two-hour documentary about like behind the scenes of making all the albums and all of their lyrics are done while sitting on their like their roommate's bed with a microphone as he's like mashing away on his laptop mm. yeah this is kind of like if the outsiders were a different kind of trash that <laughs> tried to all rap together you yeah. know like yeah. just this collective really big group I mean, how many members are there it depends on who you ask. Like musical members, there are still plenty, but then they are unique in that they include the names of members who don't touch the music. Like they have videographers and photographers who they say, yeah, they're a part of our group. They have the people huh. who yeah. the, the people who are just producers. Like the producers are never get credit on almost any any other thing other than like rap rap songs. Now they give them just as much credit. They give Roberto, who's basically their manager, he's in their videos and they give them credit. They, That's interesting. Anyone who has a consistent touch on the idea of Brockhampton alone gets included with like the package. Yeah, they're really into that collective yeah. childhood, as you said. Like, yeah. they have lyrics like uh, "I'm a head son and I'm bad at growing up." Yeah, like they're they're, they're that refusal, the adolescent mm -hmm. note that I think is throughout their uh, music. Yeah. Um, and Wikipedia says they have 14 members, so yeah. they're just including everybody. Yeah. I like it. I haven't learned all their names, but I'm working on it. Like a true Good super, luck. like a true super fan, I'm working on it. These, none yeah, of so these to are... be to be a boy band, you have to have fan boys, right? Yeah, or or, uh, or fan fan something or yeah. other. And I'm perfectly you're, willing you're to be there. one of those. You're there. Yeah, totally. I, I'm like picking out that's the bad boy. That's like the one that breaks the rules. That's the cool one. That's the preppy one. I love. I love doing that. Well, they're, they're self-referential like, in that way yeah. because they include that in one of the lyrics. Yeah, Matt Champion said, like, yeah. "Low key, I'm a heartthrob, and I ain't dropped an album yet." I, yeah. I love because Matt Champion. I already knew he was a heartthrob. He's my favorite. Um, <laughs> oh my! Goodness. But then there's you know you're the one that deals drugs and yeah. then all these other sort of identities that turn into. Um, yeah, like a Spice Girls motif. <laughs> but here's the thing. They're not a boy band. Fight me. They are not a boy band. <laughs> Fight me. It just, you know, it's it, there's an artificiality about that label that strikes me as a, a move that is trying to garner some sort of attention. So I, if I'm looking at this through eyes of cynicism, which I am. <laughs> I'm saying you're not children and you're doing this at a, you know, um, arrested development thing, this, this adolescence that you're not growing out of. And you're also doing this, we're a boy band, but we're not thing. And I'm kind of thinking to label yourself in this way, it makes people puzzle. It makes people kind of lean in and say, well, what the heck? Why would you say something that's so patently false? about your group um, in, in that way. And so here's where I think they're, act so what they're tapping into, they're a boy band in the same way that Green Day was a boy oh, band. Oh, interesting. Not in the same way that One Direction was a boy band. So Green Day maintains this, you know, kind of independence, grittiness. Their yeah. album is Dookie. And then okay, early Green Day. Early yes. Green Day. We're not going to yeah. talk about today's Green Day. Right. Well, see, this is where I'm I'm prophesying yeah. into the future of uh. Brockhampton. This is the move that I see them setting up. 
And so the angst of Green Day, or what, what are the other ones? Blink-182 and some of that uh, grungy punk. Some 41. Yeah, those types of bands. Um, MXPX was my band, you know, the, oh, like the Christian punk rock oh band. My, yeah. the, the, the quintessential, like, yeah, we have one punk rock yeah, band, don't we? Yeah, exactly. So I actually think their aesthetic and their lineage is drawn out of that type of um, adolescent exuberance that then is also sort of, um, they use it to create a an image or a label for themselves. So that's where I, if, if I could call Green Day, early Green Day a boy band, then I could call Brockhampton a boy band. But, you know, the, the um, One Direction and what are the others, the uh, Backstreet Boys and, and NSYNC, those were boy bands in that they were put together by record labels, right? Mm. And, and to, to promo some, you know, it was like, you, you don't have artistry, but we got these three pretty dudes and this one ugly dude. We're going to stick them all in a band and this one can dance. <laughs> the ugly guy has the talent. Yeah. And so then we're going to go for it. Um, and then ironically, you know, you get Timberlake, who in the end actually was a pretty decent artist and does have some autonomous ability to, to create. Yep. So he, he does it in reverse. So that's my boy band theory. That's my rant. You go now, Cooper. Out of, out of all the boy bands, we had to have one guy who turned out decently, and yeah. it's okay that it's Timberlake. Everyone yeah. else fell apart. We're fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on like how you define a boy band, yeah. because if you look at the historical definition of, of a boy band, you're right. It's a corporate package built on being financed by teenage girls' like, developing sexuality, so they're like, oh my gosh, they're adorable, and yeah, their music's okay. Um, mm -hmm. And thus, we will give them all of our money. The, the same thing happened with my sister. One of the more recent ones was also, like, Five Seconds of Summer, which they oh, were yeah. different because they played their own instruments, we yeah. were told. Uh, I have, I do not care about. Well, you them. got the monkeys from back in the day. I okay, mean, that that's true. First, that's you know? true. They, they were put they were put together to fight the Beatles. Um, yeah. And in some ways, well, their music was never bad. Yeah. Um, it was all right. I okay. So yes, the monkeys too. <laughs> but I like them. Yeah. Um, we're and, doing it now, Cooper. We're yeah. doing it. Okay, fine. And the Beatles <laughs> were not put together, but we could call them maybe the first boy band because they reached their height through Ed like, Sullivan. Um, through Ed Sullivan and all those screaming girls. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. they are outstanders because they're one of the like m the greatest influential rock band of all time and everyone's cited something or other from them. We could talk about that forever. Historically and most recently, boy bands are corporate products sure. built around so-and-so and so. Whenever I listen to interviews from Brockhampton and they're emphasizing how much they are a boy band, like they had an uh, interview on MTV and someone said, Hip Hop Collective, and all of them went, no, we're a boy band, we're a boy band. And she's like, why, why would you call yourself that? And they said, because we want to take that back. We're a bunch of boys in a band, and we don't like the idea that you can do this and only be a corporate product. And so I can understand, I could understand how it could be like, oh, they're trying to get attention, but I've also watched a lot of concert footage from them because yeah. I, like, whenever I find a great act, I think I want to see how they like behave in a concert, see if that's like a show I would want to go through. And through watching a lot of their concert footage and seeing a lot of uh, social media posts from people who have been there, mm -hmm. one of them uh, specifically said, if you're doubting that they're a boy band, you would need to see them in concert to understand why. Because I've seen concerts from hip hop collectives mm -hmm. where it's just a bunch of guys with microphones on stage taking their turn to step forward. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to Brockhampton, it's 
at the same time, more disorganized and much more organized. Like when they get on stage, they get on in an order they give themselves. There are certain things like actions they do at a certain time because it adds to the feeling of the song and it's yet still chaotic. It has the feeling of a hip hop collective's concert because it's very loud, mm -hmm. it's very aggressive. There's all the jumping, there's the there's the moshing in the hip hop pit. I, I thought yeah. that was just a metal exclusive. Yeah, that's but, cool. But there's also a sense that they're focused on all sides of their production. Their yeah. their music, their videos, and their concerts yeah. as well have the same level of input and refinement that yeah. um, like any other boy band would try and give themselves. And where I could understand the perspective that they're doing it for attention if I didn't see them putting in the effort to back that idea up. Yeah. Okay, so the label is what gets the attention, not what... The, so the, yeah. the substance of what they're doing, though, is a throwback to hip-hop acts before Run DMC. So everyone before Run DMC wore, you know, costumes and they had choreography. You know, back in the you know the days of the Cold Crush Brothers, Sugar Hill Gang, stuff like that. Oh my gosh! Those those were boy. I mean, if you want to call it a boy band, that's you know that's kind of more boy. Sugar Hill Gang is far more boy bandy than than Brockhampton, but but um, that's where what they're doing in substance on stage, if it's choreographed, I think that's cool. But I think the label is a gimmick. I. I disagree, but I understand. I, 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 I would agree if I thought you were right, but I don't. I understand. I, I'm not confused by your idea. I just sure. disagree. We're okay. Good. Nathan, do you want to chime in? Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> between that. Um, why, I'm glad we why? did that, Cooper. It, we needed to. We needed to push that. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do they want to take back boy band? I think... I mean... I think that Boy label that I think doesn't... that label has power behind it oddly enough. Like what else do you call like when I think of boy bands oddly enough I think like it's supposed to carry an idea of fun behind it. Like you, you rarely ever have a hyper serious yeah, yeah, you rarely have a hyper serious boy band. It's a lot of it is based in adolescence. Very very few times have like ever been a boy band made of people who are older than 25. I mean Backboy 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 Street, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they tried, and no one listens to them at all. Um, and they all look like thirty-year-old hipsters, and it's horrible. New Kids on the Block. That was the other one that I was oh, trying to remember. There we go. There we yeah, go. Yeah, they lip. They were lip-syncing even. I mean, oh. they didn't even sing. So wow. Yeah. The, New oh my lows. gosh. Yeah. We could one day talk about Millie Vanilli all we wanted to. Yeah. But I, I think, I think the name fit them in the like we were talking about their adolescence and their kind of their willful childishness um as far as i know none of them are older than say like none of the people who are involved in the music very seriously are are older than maybe 27 i could be wrong i haven't checked this but even if they are closer to that age or 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 closer to 30 or maybe even north of that the people who are mainly involved in the identity the, the all the rappers maintain a very childlike approach in an adolescence and there's a lot of authenticity to their themes but i think they focus on trying to stay adolescent for their listeners like they yeah. make things they yeah. enjoy and they think other people would enjoy themselves they're not being a hyper serious or, or they're not being very serious almost ever there are plenty of songs where they're serious but the the feel the idea of Brockhampton on a whole fits the idea of a boy band if you remove the corporate product element of it hmm. uh, if you remove the idea that a label is the one who 
place this together for the sake of selling profit, if you take all of the ideas of a boy band of adolescence, of fun, of exuberance, as your favorite word is, um, apparently. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, it's fun to, adolescent exuberance is one of my new favorite phrases. Um, <laughs> if you take all of these things, I think you get uh, Brockhampton as long as you add rapping. Yeah. Um, so fun, that's, a, that's an interesting descriptor for this album. So I, I would say it, you could, I could come into enjoyable, but there's one fun track on this album. Oh, for three? It's, it's Boogie. Yeah. Mm. None of the other songs are fun. Now, they might be super enjoyable, but I don't get fun out of it. I get angsty. Again, this is my connection with, with um, the, the punk, the 90s punk. So there's... 94. Yeah, mm. there's kind of like a... Um, angsty there's some self-referential it's very mopey um you know yeah i'm ugly um <laughs> imagine having no friends um i hate the way i'm feeling i'm sick of chasing dreams this, this is a, a, a kind of a very yeah. archetypal um uh, mopiness yeah. that you see in a um like a a, a one eight blink 182 or green day or those other types of bands um, think of the rest. So I don't know about fun. Well, for, yeah. satu for saturation three, I can yeah. understand okay. that. Okay. For the first two, even on their like less on their on their more serious songs, for like the first two albums, I still had a a, a greater feeling of fun in there. Like saturation, yeah. when I'm talking about like the idea of Brockhampton and fun, okay. I put like the saturation trilogy okay. on the board. Okay. I, we need to we need to clarify that okay. the next time we talk so about yeah, it. So yeah, three three for me is uh, is, yeah. Interesting can be engaging, um, but but not super super fun. Sister slash Nation track eleven. Yeah. Now this is where they go in into the mode of the artist. Would you say so? They're actually breaking so. off. I felt like that was the most ambitious track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Why do you think so? Because they weren't so mopey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, they were still mopey at times, but they got out of. Um, th there was a slow crescendo. There was anger rather than sort of the, the anger seemed like the the major mood of the part one of the track. Um, and then Amir Van's um, uh, or his lines in um, the part two nation were the the only um, very politically engaged ones. So I felt like most of the album, if you took away some of the pop references to things like Harry Styles. Um, could it wasn't very like situated in a particular cultural moment, um, but but uh, track eleven sister slash nation was it it was yeah. kind of protesty, and so again you know why I'm drawn to that you know yeah. I'm I'm Your consciousness I'm quality I'm yeah. that kind of activist yeah. um, rap so yeah what did you guys think on that one? I thought Nation. I really love Nation's production with that yeah. that echoing in the background. Um, like whereas my my favorite's probably Matt Champion for like personal. Like I've always I always thought the heartthrob archetype in a boy band was funny, so mm -hmm. I'm attracted to that. And his generally his verses are pretty entertaining whenever he's on. Boys I, want to play with my cell phone. Yeah, that's Matt Champion. Uh, was that the Matt Champion hook? I can't remember the hooks. I keep thinking the hooks are all done by uh, Kevin Abstract. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, but. His 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 verse off the the second album song, uh, I think it's sweet. His opening verse off that's pretty darn funny. Where yeah. um, I'm trying to remember the lyrics. Uh, I'm bad at lyrics. The rest of you have notes. I'm well, just I'll over have to here. Write it down. Yeah, I'm just I'm <laughs> shooting from the hip. But uh, it was on on Nation. One of my 
I think the one who I would call the the greatest technical rapper, yeah. Dom McLennan, who has the I think the best flow. He is the part I listen to twelve times a day in Boogie. Everyone's verses is great until right after you know, um, Joba, who's like I'm breaking neck, I'm the chiropractor, and then Merlin's the <laughs> the verse that follows that, and then it's Dom where he comes in with this this amazing flow. It's not lightning fast, but it's the most hyped up thing on the entire track, and it gets me moving. Every I, I walk quicker. Yeah. I think better with that song. And his verse on Nation had this amazing production behind it where it's this weird echoing. It's it's experimental for the rest of, like compared to the rest of Brockhampton's yeah. um, music in, in general. And it was great to hear all of, all of these guys on a, in a, in a very weird musical space, like into the track itself, a landscape that they hadn't put themselves on with almost any other track. Yeah, yeah they br- their lyrics bring a lot of uh, images to your head. Yeah. Like they have a lot of, I really liked a lot of their um, their metaphors and similes. Like he, he says, what is it? Uh, like C4, I'm going to detonate or something like that. He just always is dropping these sort of weird lines. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then the just the line you were talking about, he says, you throw me in the tomb, and then the next line he says, Pharaoh, and then it's like, so he, he it's almost like he has a little bit of a consistency in some of these lyrics that allow your brain to catch up to develop an image in your head. Yeah. Instead of everything going by so fast. I, uh, think, I think there are tons of lyrics I, I like, and some of them I can only remember when I'm like going through. One of them was like, I, I love my... I love my people like white people love rap. I thought that was hilarious. But I think yeah, that was one of my one. favorites That's was the, uh, shoot, where was it? It was, I think it was the opening off of the song, I think maybe Johnny. It was, it, it I think it was the third song off of, uh, I might be wrong, but it's Kevin Abstract talking about fries and the boys he likes. Um, and that's something I want to, I want to bring that up in a, I want to bring that up in a bit. Could have got, sure. got a, uh, could have got a job at McDonald's. But I like, I like curly, curly fries. fries. That's, that's a, metaphor a metaphor for my life. Because I like taller guys. Yes. I think yeah. it was. And, and then I he like talks taller about, guys. Yeah. Do you guys like that line? No. I think that's funny. No. I think it's funny. <laughs> I listened to it a bunch of times. I was like, I, it's funny. Interesting. Think, how, how was his life? A metaf- How is Curly Fries a metaphor for his he life? Like, he's, not he's a straight. short dude. Okay. He works at McDonald's and he likes Curly Fries. McDonald's doesn't have Curly Fries. Right. It's a straight. metaphor for his life because he likes taller guys and he's a very short dude. Okay. Mm. I get it um, now. I get it. Yeah. And so it's like you're not <laughs> really, you're not, now, yeah. you're not in a situation for what you yeah, like yeah. to be brought to you. So what you're saying is I need to eat more fast food to understand these metaphors? If McDonald's will pay me, I'll yeah, say it all yeah. day. <laughs> I will say that. It's a wrap brought to you by the Dayton <laughs> McDonald's. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, I get the line, though. That's cool. So here's, can I give you a couple of my favorite lines, that ones that really kind of clicked for me? me? To- totally. Okay. So in the in that uh, first track, Boogie, um, best boy band since One Direction, making people itch like a skin infection. <laughs> so this is where I'm kind of like, all right, it's a joke, and and we both get it now, yeah. right? Um, you're not a boy band because you're rhyming One Direction with skin infection. <laughs> so if this if this becomes kind of self-parody in some ways, because there's enough self-referential stuff that that I think uh, maybe maybe there's a wink and a nod. So I, I did like that one. Um, rhyming catacombs with broken bones um, in Alaska, track Alaska. That was that was really nice and skillful. 
Um, so those were my two favorite lines. Oh, um, in Zipper, play Mozart, smoke my cigar on my estate. Um, there was kind of that uh, <laughs> ghetto fabulous type of um, yeah. imagery that, that's uh, hmm. kind of nice too. So do you guys know, it's something that seems to be, if we're thinking of lyrics, it's meant to be that's just fluent in, in, in a bunch of rap, and that's, what is it with Since My Dog Died? What is what is a dog in rap songs? Like, Big Sean does that, um, Lupe did that, I've been sad since my dog died. They do this. I'm, I'm like pretty sure dog just means your just friend. Like my, does it just mean, like, your, your friend? Or, yeah. like, my is OG. it something, is there another rapper that... Yeah. I don't Co- know. Kodak, I don't get that. Kodak Black had a, like, I hate Kodak Black mainly, but he had an interesting line off his last project where he said, like, brought my dog to the vet, turned out he's a rat. Like, nice. like stuff oh, like, like the dog being your friend or something. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, well, huh. your ex-friend in Kodak's right. case. But, yeah. Interesting. Well, speaking right. of sampling other from other uh, rappers in the track three, Johnny, the hook is, I love it when the people go wild for me. Mm-hmm. And it, the way... The way he spits it, it's the same as "I love it when you call me Big Papa," the Biggie yeah. track. So I, I liked that kind of reference. So, uh, yeah, that's good. What's weird is like you were talking about punk, yeah. and um, this is something else that uh, Anthony Fantano brought up. I I cite him for a lot of things. I don't study music very often, but he's able to bring up a lot of things. He he made a case for how Little Yachty is indicative of rap's punk phase, nice. and how. Uh, when the, the, the 70s punk rose up and Sex Pistols and Ramones took the stage, mm-hmm. they had a complete abandon for the people who came before them. Like, they sure, they had influences, but they did not make mention, nor did they very much care for trying to balance the rock that came before yeah, them. Yeah, they were resisting prog rock, yeah. which was so hard, you had to be a classically trained Basically. musician to be yeah. like in a group like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah, and Little so Yachty. punk was, anyone can do it yeah. if you can make a racket. Yeah. If you can be loud enough, you're in the club. And it's basically what Lil Yachty did. He is a complete abandonment for the the things that came before, for basically technique or practice. Because yeah. um, I find him fun, but he is very bad. <laughs> and I am fine with saying, like, yeah. his, his track Minnesota is one of the most hype things I've heard, but it is a kind of bad song. Yeah. Um, not, uh, that's, it's fun, but I, I wouldn't call it technically sound. And his last album was utter garbage, yeah. but I thought it was still fun in the sense that you could tell he had a great time making it and that was his focus and if we're talking about rap and punk being kind of like having a a intermingling of concepts at this point i think brockhampton's sort of focus on whereas like they could they could make a reference to biggie with that yeah a lot of what i'm hearing though it is still like very much with the the boy band aesthetic can also be seen as having this sort of punkish edge of we're focusing on we want on like what we want to make it is literal bedroom product production they have yeah. their laptops and their speakers sitting in their room the by the best that i can tell they don't use studios they use camcorders they bought themselves they film it all at their own house it's for for everywhere they're they're putting their hands they're they're releasing a feature film by the way that's something yeah, that's else cool. they're doing um huh. Yeah, I know, right? It's such an interesting case study for like, I know, right? Um, just I don't know. It has this. It has a punkish abandon yeah. for the the rest of the the rest of the music sphere at the moment. And so that's an interesting, maybe like self corrective in the 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 timeline of hip hop because hip hop starts in the same way that punk starts in that it's a rejection of something. So punk is rejecting prog rock. And and hip hop or rap is rejecting disco. 
Like yes. without hip hop, without disco, there's no hip hop. And so mm. you actually had punk shows at the same clubs, you know, following rap shows when, yep. when hip hop first left the boroughs and went downtown. Yeah. And so they're kind of being embraced by the, by the same type of we're pushing back against an establishment. And so if, if hip hop now has become the establishment, it basically it is pop music now. Oh, it's the musical you zeitgeist. Know, and so mm-hmm. in some ways, if you're going back to an anti-establishment route, you're going back to the beginning of, of what hip hop is saying. We're not um, disco fever, <laughs> which is, you know, you know, the excesses uh, yeah. and the, of uh, production and, and corporate culture of, uh, of hip or of uh, disco. So, yeah. Hmm. Thoughts, Nathan? You guys are, this is like trap all over again. <laughs> I got to go apparently turn back the clock. Figure out what we're talking about. You need to cut it from the beginning and move forward again. All right. Punk so, disco. So we've spent 40 minutes talking about like vaguely the idea of saturation. Now, now, now give me a summary of your idea. Like if you've listened to all the albums, if you listen to the trilogy, give me a summary of, of that. Or if you haven't, just give me a summary of, of saturation three, where, the, where those left you. Hmm. Well, I saturation was one was the hardest to get through. Mm. I was listening th- to it, and I was on track one. I was like, "All right, that was kind of weird, a little bit shocking, almost." Track two or three was the same thing, and then track four was like still hard, a little bit uh, aggressive. Yeah. I don't know; it was just something different than what I've used to. Was that Star the the one where there's just a bunch of references to movie stars? Uh, I think so. And then there's a couple of them where they. Those skits were kind of odd, and yeah. I, so I keep wanting to go through and try and translate that. Really, I keep huh, like, like I'm. Now, guys... I'm now sad that I didn't pay too much attention in Spanish. Mm. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to like take the time to translate those. Yes, but... the the best of the Spanish skits is uh, Saturation Three Cinema Three, and it's a prayer. Oh, so that that's kind of nice. Huh. Yeah, I think I got that the first time. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like those tie into like whatever the mysterious overall theme is, but we'll we'll get there eventually. Good. Uh, and then uh, I don't know. I made it through eventually. I had to. I had to come back. I was like, all right, I got to work out something else for a little <laughs> while. So a little while, I came back, listened to two. Actually, I enjoyed two. I think uh, with with those, my my favorites being Milk and what was the other one I said? Uh, I don't know. It was another one on there that I really liked. Swim, 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 and Milk. I think those were the ones. They were kind of odd, but I liked them anyway. Just their sound and their flow. Um, I thought they started saying some more creative. Stuff that wasn't just a generic kind of lyric, in a sense, in my mind. Um, but then three was hard to get through too. I don't even know if I've got yeah. to the end of three, to be completely honest with you. Really, it's not. I, oddly enough, like I love all these albums. I do, and I I still love three. But it's the one I have listened to the least. Huh. Like you're right, it is much more mopey. Like my general feel over the entire trilogy is, I think it's. And this is going to sound really presumptuous. It may be one of the better musical feats to have been accomplished in the past couple years. Like they're actually last year, um, that same band I was talking about, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, like the weird name, like that. That's an alt rock band from Australia. They released, <laughs> if I'm correct, I think four or five albums last year wow. alone. Now the quality of those varies, and the consistency is different because each one of them had a different thing. The first one's like about microtonal tuning. The second one was basically a spoken word album with some music in the background. 
uh, it, it was supposed to be an album with Spoken Word, but dadgum, they overdone it. They overdid it. <laughs> they did an album with The Mild High Club, which I, I actually never heard of. They they released tons of music last year. And at the same time, Saturation 3 was like all those albums released in the space of six months. So it Jeez. might it might be something I don't see happen very often, um, but it could happen more. But for me, it may be one of the better musical feats, at least in rap, that I've seen done in the past several years being able to produce so much music with a consistency and quality and go from being virtually completely unknown at the beginning of a six-month period and at the end being live on mtv and performing mm. at camp flog and all like a big alternative hip-hop group like before um tyler the creator and, and and being mentioned in the same breath as tyler like a big mm. oh yeah by the way a, a big influence that um for them was wolfgang killed them all um which was tyler the creator's group with like the rest of those completely crazy people um <laughs> which is also like the other punk rap group there exists yeah I, I would not recommend listening to anything they had to say um <laughs> except tyler's left album yeah. was great but my, my general feeling on saturation three was that it is also very good but at the same time there's m maybe only a couple songs that i would like set aside in a playlist of like these are the brockhampton songs i love yeah. most of them would be composed of one and 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 two and mainly two two has the most i think it has the most upbeat fun like workout like songs i could work out to like like gummy uh and swamp and queer are both songs that have a lot of oomph behind them to which i, I could move and especially boogie and heat too but more on saturation one saturation three i'm still trying to deal with its themes and and what exactly it means to the the trilogy itself but alone i i think it's still a great a great album compared to many other hip-hop albums right now it's mm. still a great album mm. So my takeaway is this. Um, I would like to participate in the live experience mm. in the sweaty, moshy, you know, mm. kind of craziness um, in the same way that I really enjoyed um, the punk scene back in the day. So... I was actually in a punk band. It was a ska band. Whoa. Oh my. It was a punk okay. band. It was a ska band. <laughs> Bra Revelation breaking. Professor Gleason, ska band. It was a punk band, and we turned it into a ska band for a set. I you want to hear the name of it? I don't know I you. It. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it was the, the, um, the fourth inning bench warmers. The fourth inning bench warmers. <laughs> Don't type it in the internet. This is pre-internet days, I baby. I am typing it in. It might have been fifth inning bench. Did I say fourth? It could have been fourth or fifth. That it was one of the middle innings. Inning it sounds like the name of a C-list parody punk yeah. band. It yeah. sounds like like a sub-Aquabats yeah. punk yeah, yeah. band. Oh, my gosh. Now, oh, no. The internet may have failed me. Our biggest hit was Punk Rock High. It was It was such a great track. So, anyhow... That but, sounds like you just stole the idea from Bowling for Soup. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I played trombone in it. Oh, my. <laughs> I hate ska so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and I could, I'll do this story another time. We, we, could have a, we could have a long session on this. But basically, I go back and I listen to the musical influences from that era for me. And I put them on, I pull them up, and I'm taken back into this nostalgic moment. And I think, oh, man. And I picture the clubs and the sweat and all of the fun. But then after about the fourth track, I think it's now time to turn off MXPX. It's now time to turn off, you know, um, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones or whatever it was from that era because it didn't hold up that well for me. 
across, you know, whatever that was, like 20, 25 years. Any rancid Operation Ivy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, uh, yeah, the basics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think Brockhampton would be that for me. So if I could get up in the live situation and just, you know, kind of go nuts on the real upbeat tracks, I think I would really enjoy that. But for me, in the comfort of my own home, listening with the legal tablet, it doesn't, the experience doesn't translate having not yeah. lived it. So yeah. in that way, I would say that's how it could, it could hold a place for me. Yeah. So concerts aren't my thing anymore, really. Like yeah. I, I used to love concerts, but then I realized like I would go and I would get really bummed. Yeah. A lot of the time because like someone would elbow me and I'm like, no, I'm having a bad day. That, that, that was probably like the skinny 18 year old me like bang, yeah. Yeah. throwing bows in the um, pit. Like I, I used to love concerts and like it's still my dream to go to like one underground hardcore concert. Like I know they put them together in Chattanooga, but I'm, I'm weak and a nerd and I can't find out. But let's go and we'll record live. <laughs> Coming to you live from Sandra's basement. Yeah. Um, but I... <laughs> I, I like watching live footage of rap artists because I keep wondering how rap artists do shows. Like bands, multiple members, I get it. For rap artists, it's like one dude in a microphone. But I see now more and more current rap artists who, who have minimal production put a lot of effort into their stage shows. Like even Little Uzi Vert, who I hate in a lot of ways. His stage shows are kind of insane. And the huh. same goes for Kanye. Now, Kanye's a creative genius, and he said it himself. Um, but his shows have creative in, genius, but not stable genius. Yeah, that that, that basically. <laughs> um, but his shows as well are amazing, incredible experiences. And watching uh, videos of Brockhampton concerts, which they do not have anywhere near the budget these guys do, it is still incredible to see the fire they inspire in a crowd. The people who like them adore them and will huh. fight each other in the ground for them and it, like some of their songs are meant for the stage like there's uh, the song Sweet which is one of the more minimal songs they ever do it has just this weird sort of buzzing melody in the background over top of a super simplistic percussion there's one part where um Merlin, like there's this, this really quiet bit after Don McClendon finishes his verse and a quiet bit. No one says anything. And then Merlin comes in going, don't call me stupid. Like, and I'm wondering, no one called you stupid until I saw a video of the concert. And it's not in the song, but it is in the concert. Everyone gets around him and says, go stupid, go stupid, go stupid. And like it, I realize now there are songs that are meant to be performed and seen live for huh. you to get what they are. And where is that song? doesn't have a, a beat or a feel that makes you want to jump up and down, watching it be performed is insane. And the same goes for Sister Nation. Sister yeah. Nation is a, a great sort of solitary song and really experimental. When you watch a performance of it, people go ballistic over nice. it. It's insane. The same goes for even even Star, which has a cool beat behind it. The section where Kevin Abstract starts talking about, um, like, Viceland didn't mess with me, my own family doesn't, didn't mess with me. The... If you watch any performance of it, the beat cuts out. People will sing along with him until they reach a point where he starts talking about Shawn Mendes. Um, he said, like, <laughs> Viceland! And, and, like, and then all of a sudden, every, every one of the members on stage jumps into the audience. And nice. it, it's, it's the only concert I want to see now. Yeah. I, huh. I don't like going to concerts anymore, except this is the one I would drive to to okay. make sure I could watch it. Put it on the calendar. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ride shotgun with you. Uh, awesome. any, anyone that can move a crowd at least has my respect on that level because that is the definition of an MC, a master of ceremonies. Yeah. If you move the crowd, then you have to have respect All for right. that. So, huh. Any thoughts, Nathan? 
Oh man, if I could describe this experience and and just their music in a phrase, it would be hot trash. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. It just in a good way, but all in it both good and bad ways. Just, in the way just, the just punk their, was first perceived. Yes, something yeah. like that. This is hot garbage, and then it took twenty years, and they're like, "This was important." Because yeah. it's just they, they have that trashy feel. Yeah, I can and get then, that. It's just it's, it's all American trash, you know. Right, all American yeah. trash. And I saw that I was like, oh, that's just supporting what I was thinking. Yeah, all American trash. It's just science. So right. and it's just it's it's fun. They've got some booming lyrics. They've got a couple yeah. bangers, and it's hot. Yeah. All right. So do we have do we have numbers? Because I'm I'm prepared to number like each three. Yeah, we did grades. We yeah. did grades before. So yeah. Yeah. Do we want to do numbers or or letter grades? We need to decide right now. Now that we have like an identity, we need to pick a format. <laughs> Let's do numbers. Let's do numbers. Yeah. All numbers. right, Nathan. Oh man, um, we got to do all three of them, or just saturation? I can, I can only do three. I'm afraid I'll I don't, do, I don't I'll, have a good perspective on one and two. I'll 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 do yeah. I'll I'll do whatever you can. Okay. Do whatever you're comfortable with. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I think I'm only good for two. I would say two is. I enjoyed it. It was as probably maybe a five. All right. It was probably maybe a six though. Okay. Just, Quality level. I'll give it a five. It was probably a six, but I'll give it a five. I'll give it a five, yeah. <laughs> um, for Saturation 3, it's not my taste, so it's hard for me to, to know what the standards are. Um, so I would say for what it's trying to be and what it is, um, it is probably, you know, a, a seven. Um, for what I want in a listening experience, it's a two. Oh, mm. okay. see, that's that's no, what I, I was trying to work. I can understand that. I, yeah. I could feel like when I brought it up, like I was hyped for it, but I'm like, the more I think about it, this is not what has been established as the music. But that, like, here's the thing it's perfect. Like, doing one that has a, a multiple perspectives on is way better than doing one that everyone's like, yeah, it was really true. good. Yeah. So, I would actually rather you recommend things yeah. that push the aesthetic rather than, you know, like, Patting everything yeah. on the head. I think we're going to enjoy our next ideas okay. for uh for reviews. But okay. um, oh yeah. For me, I I would give I think I would give like saturation one a nine because like wow. I, I enjoyed it, but I think for the landscape it entered into, while like calling itself a boy band obviously still being rap, for what it entered into, it was a breath of fresh air for me. Like I could not find rap being made now that sounded anything like that. Um, also, if it was good, like I could probably draw some lines to maybe Macklemore's last album, but I didn't like that at all. So, um, at saturation two, I'd probably give a seven to an eight, maybe. Um, I think it's it sounds less original when compared to the first one because it sounds basically like an extension of that, but it still carries a lot of the oomph. And for three, I'd probably give it the same seven to eight. I think it's more artistic, but it certainly isn't the same thing. I I wouldn't go to it if I'm looking for something to listen to on a drive. If I listen to something on a drive, I'm listening to one or two, main probably uh, two. But on a whole, I'd give the the concept, the trilogy, the effort, and like the idea of Brockhampton a a strong nine. It is hmm. for me. It is a it is an undertaking and a feat. I do not think I I have seen, and we probably won't see for a good while. Um, so, like for me, because of my specific tastes and what I'm looking for, in new music it fills that role perfectly. Nice. Hmm. All right. So, uh, our next idea for uh, reviews. This is something Nathan and I uh, thought about. 
Um, I know that we all have different perspectives uh, on rap. We have um, the the faux old head in Mr. Gleason. <laughs> um, we have the the sort of new school traditionalist in in, in Nathan. Does that is that a, is that an appropriate description? What would you call yourself? Oh. I don't know what I would call myself. What's I think that was thinking? very apt. I yeah. think new school traditionalist. Like nice. I like that Lupe. Like L- Lupe some... Chance hates trap, and I, I, I trap's growing on me still. It's, it's, it's working on it. It's and, working on me. And I'm more of a, 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 I, I, I can appreciate trap, and I can enjoy trap. I'm, I'm much more into trap than I feel like the, um, either of you guys, because I've. I've not, not like I grew up with it. I grew up hating rap, and I grew up like thinking it was Satan because it was homeschooled. But, <laughs> um, oh man, <laughs> that'd be fun. That's but a good story about yeah, that. we should do Christian rap albums from the late '90s and early oh. 2000s. Oh my gosh! Quick story before I decide. <laughs> we went and visited a friend of mine in uh, Nashville, and we stayed in a house uh, on their property. And they they own a they they don't own but they run a camp and we found promotional material from it which yeah. is like videos from the early 90s of this puppet it was it was like just around when um Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure had nice. been out for maybe a few years so the puppet was being like be excellent to each other dudes and it was a christian camp it was really hokey in the background of one of the segments they had they had a dc talk track yes. based around he lo- like um oh jesus loves me yeah. based around that song and it is one of the worst things i yeah. may have ever heard because it's got like this really slow and really smooth yeah. kind of flow yeah. the words rhyme really obviously and it's annoying nice. and that's the flow that they have for awesome. the entire song and it's like six minutes long it it i i have it it would be so relatable to our pretend audience to do <laughs> to do reviews of like late oh, 90s man. christian rap. all right I'm okay gonna, but do your real i'm gonna table okay. that for right now because yeah. that's a great idea i think i i was thinking of the idea that we each uh, like for the for the next few reviews, we can take uh, an album from like a controversial side of of hip hop right now. For me, I can pick like a a true trap album, one of those one of those like SoundCloud people, like like a, like Little Pump or Smoke Perk. Oh no, please or, not Little Pump. Um, please not Little Pump. Oh boy, we <laughs> future. Could. Can we do Future? Uh, no, future. I hate him too. Um, <laughs> I like Future. He's good on me. I will decide on this. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking of um, Chance's coloring book or or whatever Nathan feels like would be good mm. because Mr. Gleason still has to get into that. And I've yeah. never heard a full Chance project. His um, best is coloring book. His right. other stuff. Um, acid rap and acid rap and whatever his other one's called. Ten something. Ten days. I think. Just not as good. Okay. But so there's, there's still Chance. Something like chance acid rap and and something more along Mr. Gleason's side like. What, you have an idea? I don't know. We could go historical. I feel like I'm always kind of digging back into the archives. Yeah. So maybe we maybe could it could a be classic. Maybe we could do a, like a uh, retrospective, something that was having yeah. like a 20th or a 15th year anniversary. How old's the Black Album? Oh gosh, it's it's because uh, um, I know that I've never fully listened to all of it. Uh, at once. It might be coming up on. It probably is 20 years old. At mm, least. Interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. So, mm, perhaps this, the black album. Yeah. Does this sound? Does this sound like an agreeable sure. idea? So it would be like a like a a triple. Like we do all three at the same in the same I'm session or one, three different. One per one per maybe, unless okay. we feel like that might take a little while. Because I also love the idea of of, of late late nineties, early nineties yeah. Christian rap. Yeah. Well, we we don't have a ton more sessions left in us for this academic year, so let's let's do like a. 
like a rapid fire yeah. one. So let's do all three. Let, uh, all three? All, all three in all one three. session. All right. And we can just rat-a-tat-tat through those three. Right. That could be fun. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out in the meantime what we're, what we're going to be focusing on, and our next session will be a rapid fire look at each of our little rapid uh, fire, a rapid oh, fire. Look. That's my new, that was the name I brought rapid fire <laughs> since I didn't bring one. All right. Um, we're all going to have a, we're all going to have our, our, our own albums. We're going to talk about it. Rapid fire session, keep it quick and eventually have a retrospective on probably the black album, whatever we decide on uh, and, and look for it in the future. Early nineties, Christian rap. I am, I am so ready for that. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a fun... I'm going to have to be 2000s. That's, that's when going, I was jamming. Oh, that's going to be like a fun time. No Cray to fall back on. No, 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 no. <laughs> DC talking alike. All right. Well, for WJBC, we're going to call that a wrap. This has been a production of WJBC The Roar. Visit us at wjbctheroar.podbean.com and contact us at wjbcradio at brian.edu. Music provided by The Passion Hi-Fi. Visit them at thepassionhifi.com.